0: Um, Again, this is a time of year when I just do a lot of reflecting and a lot of praying. And um, again, as I pray for you, as I pray for our church, as I pray for everything that God is doing, I I can sound a little bit like a broken record, and I realize this, but I'd rather be a broken record about positive things than being a broken record about negative things. (laughs) Because there's enough broken records about negative things in the world that we can deal with already. But again, as I just look at so many people in our church who, who give, who serve, who contribute to the mission of what we are doing here as a church family, it's just absolutely amazing to me. I, I, I talk to other pastors and, and things and, and other Christian leaders, and, they, you know, and so many churches are what I call very segregated, where it's a church of old people or it's a church of young people, or it's a church of white people, or it's a church of black people. And there's so much segregation in our world. And one of the things I love about our church is how crazy eclectic it is. It's all over the map, from age, from um, ethnicity, from backgrounds. It's a hoshpot mess, of the diversity that we find in our world, and we talk about this at staff meeting all the time, and we actually feel like Greenbelt Church is a little tiny microcosm of what heaven's going to be like. where <laughs> We're not going to be with people who just think like us and act like us and believe like us and all of these things while well, they believe in the Jesus part. That's the way it- Heaven works, but um, it's just going to be so incredibly diverse that we can't even get our brains around it. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being a part of this uh, community and all that God does. And uh, again, we were talking about this at, at the staff meeting this week, and we're very, very grateful for our seniors who serve very grateful for our seniors that serve. We are very, very blessed with a lot of seniors who still serve because it's very easy when you reach a certain age in life to go, yeah, I've done enough. <laughs> Time for those young people to like pick up the slack. I've done enough. And so I just want to give a shout out to Pat Brett and all the work that she does in our ESL program. She has been a part of that since day one of getting that up and running before COVID. And really, our English Second Language Ministry is is pretty much one of the, well, it's the second way in our ministry right now that we're seeing the most people coming to know who Jesus is. It's absolutely amazing. Number one is online. Number two is our ESL ministry. It's absolutely amazing. So thank you, Pat, for all that you do there. Um, Quick show of hands. How many of you are completely, totally ready for Christmas? You, nice we got two we got two hands over there online if you're ready just put that in the chat and let us know and we can take screen captures of who you are and we can ask you how you did it okay uh, last sunday my family we uh, put up our christmas tree finally I, I shared last week that normally it's my uh, daughter samantha who drives you know the decorating of the house um you know basically by mid-november she really wants all the decorations up but because she's gone at university, there's no one in my home pushing me to get all the boxes out of storage and do this. So I figured, well, you know, I better get this done. So we did this Sunday night last week and we, you know, we put the tree up and we had the Harry Connick Jr. Christmas album playing and we had our hot chocolate and doing all the traditional things that we like to do when we do this. And then Danielle and I, we sat down and we're looking at the tree and it's like just this brief, tiny moment of peace. And this brief, tiny moment of peace was then absolutely, completely destroyed by this six-pound devil that lives in my house now. I got a cat last Christmas. Okay, now we've had a dog for the last eight years. A dog, you could just put anything up and not worry about it. Now we have a cat And this seven pounds of pure terror just completely destroyed the tree in about 7.4 seconds. Every decoration from here down is gone. Gone. I don't even know where they are. I'm searching the house. I'm finding Christmas decorations in the shower. I don't know how they get there. Okay, and, and then so we pick everything up and we put it back on. And we, just, and we throw the cat away. And we just want some peace. We just want to look at the Christmas lights and have some peace. And then, boom, she's back at it again. And then Danielle looks over at me. She goes, is this what the next four weeks going to be all about? Fighting and fighting with this cat? <laughs> and it was like, yeah, that's our world now. Right? And that for me in that moment, it was like, oh my goodness, this is like the ultimate analogy for Christmas. <laughs> is all of us work and work and work so hard to create this sense of peace. <laughs> In this time of year, whether it's peace in our home, whether it's peace in our business, and our workplace, whether it's trying to get some peace with, you know, this time of year, if you're a student and wrapping up and all your projects and exams and everything that's due, there's this deep longing for peace. And in this second week of Advent, it's known as the Advent, the, the, the Sunday of peace. And when, if you were to grab your dictionary and to look up the word peace. This is what the dictionary, how the dictionary defines the word peace. It says, the normal, non warring condition of a nation, a group of nations, or the world. The state of mutual between people or groups, especially in personal relationships. cessation of or freedom from any strife or dissension freedom of the mind from annoyance, distraction, anxiety, or obsession. By that definition, does that sound like your world? Doesn't sound like mine. It doesn't sound like the world that I live in at all. Whether you just turn on the news, whether you turn on social media, or just even the own inner turmoil that can happen in my own chest in the middle of the night. Is we don't seem to live in a world that's very peaceful. Yet as believers in Christ, we believe that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We, like Paul said, we sing all these songs about the peace of God and this peace in the world because of the birth of Jesus. And so what does that actually mean? What is this peace that Jesus uh, came into the world to bring? What I want us to do this morning is we're going to look at a couple of passages today. We're going to start in Philippians chapter 4. If you have a Bible with you, you can open that up at Philippians chapter 4. This is a very, very famous passage A lot of Christians have this uh, verse or these verses on a fridge or a t-shirt because we so know these verses. But there's very, very important things in this passage that we need to look at, especially I think every day, but especially this time of year. When we're in this world that's talking about peace, but the world doesn't seem very peaceful. So I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 4 and I'm going to start reading in verse 4. So kind of the big idea of this passage that I want us to focus on for our time together today is this, is the peace of God is available when we live for the God of peace. The peace of God is available when we live for the God of peace. So what does that mean? See, this passage here that I read from, from Philippians, this was, it's again, like I said, very famous. A lot of us know this. A lot of us have memorized this. We've been coming to church for any amount of time. And it's a passage where the apostle Paul is teaching the church, you know, what peace really means. Because what's going on at this moment in church history is Paul is actually writing this in a period of his life which would be very far from peaceful. He wrote this while under house arrest, while waiting to find out if he's going to be executed and killed for his faith, doesn't seem very peaceful in that moment. I've never talked to anyone who's ever been on death row. I've never talked to anyone who knew exactly when a judgment was going to come that could mean life or death for them. So I can only imagine what goes on inside I mean, as a guy who has struggled with anxiety and depression and different things like that over the years, and when my anxiety kicks in, it's, I can't even imagine. It's, 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 I'm, I'm anxious over, you know, what I'm going to preach on next week or, you know, how much money is in the bank. Eh, this things really not life and death. So how much peace is he really experiencing in this moment? And he's writing about this peace and not only is he personally going through some stuff which would appear to be very unpeaceful he's also writing to a church that's dealing with massive problems and massive struggles right the the the, the church in the city of philippi was really having difficulty In understanding their faith in Jesus, they were disagreeing, and not only were they disagreeing a little bit, they were disagreeing a lot. They were disagreeing on big things, like the divinity of Jesus. Is God fully man, or sorry, is Jesus fully man? Is Jesus fully God? What is, who is the Holy Spirit? How is this supposed to work? Is this for all Christians or all Jewish people? Is this for all people? What is this supposed to be? Are we still supposed to keep all the laws and the commandments of Moses in order to earn our salvation? There's tons of stuff that's going on. And that's just the normal trouble in church. Among Christians. Then you have non Christians sneaking into this environment, intentionally trying to steer people away from the teaching of Jesus. To so, no, 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 well, yeah, yeah, Jesus is great, but I got something better. Yeah, it's nice that there's this Jesus guy, but here's a better way, another way. And if you just pay me, I'll show you the better way. So, there's this huge thing going on with these false teachers bringing in legalism. They're twisting the message of how humanity is made right with God. They're twisting how we can really truly have forgiveness of our sins. And so, that's what Paul is dealing with personally and collectively as a church as he talks about peace. <laughs> And in this passage here from Philippians, Paul makes two very distinct references here about peace. And these are very, I think they're so crucial to understand. He talks about um, the God, uh, sorry, the peace of God. He says that there is a peace of God that is available for people. But then he also talks about God of peace. That that is a part of God's nature and character. That not only is there a peace available, but that God is peace. So these are two big ideas and two, but they're very distinct. So the peace of God is kind of more about this feeling, right? That dealing with that inner turmoil, that there is a peace that is available to help us in that inner turmoil. And then the God of peace is more of an external idea that God is going to bring peace. Whether it looks like it's happening or not, God, because God is a God of peace, he will usher in peace. And so when it comes to this peace of God, when I talk to people, I think that's what we want the most. I mean, yes, you know, we we all hear the little funny stories. If you could have one wish, what would you wish for? And I wish for peace in the world. That's a great thing. Or I wish for peace in the Middle East. Or I wish for peace over in another country. Those are good things. But if we're really honest, deep down, what the average person is looking for is how do I find more peace in my life? (laughs) In my family in my relationships, in my job, in all the things that I have going on in life? How can we just experience more peace? And that's what I want to focus on for a little bit here. As I jump over into Luke's gospel, I'm going to look from in Luke chapter 1, and I want us to look at uh, the story of a young girl named Mary. Now, Mary is the mother of Jesus, it's Christmas time. You knew we were going to talk about Mary eventually. That's how this Christmas season works. But because these stories are so familiar, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, here's another story. I know exactly what you're going to read, and I can just kind of tune out and move on. challenge is when we do that, we can kind of miss what God wants to speak to us. About When we are desperately, all of us, trying to experience more of the peace of God in our lives. But I want to read here from Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read starting in verse 26, looking at this very familiar story, this very familiar Christmas story here about the birth of Jesus being foretold. Starting in verse 26, it says, In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so Elizabeth, that's Mary's uh, relative, she's pregnant with John the Baptist, that that we just read about during our candle lighting. So during her pregnancy, uh, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. We talked about him and his dreams last week that he had about Jesus and his birth. So uh, Mary, she's pledged to be married to Joseph. She's a descendant of David. This is King David. So the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, And you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And how can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most High will overshadow you. The peace of God is available when we live for the God of peace. So here we see this young girl who lives for the God of peace. Her self-description of herself is, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. I serve the Lord. I live for the God of of peace, And suddenly, this message that's being brought to this young girl, she doesn't freak out, she doesn't ask a lot of questions, there's not kind of a checklist, well, what about this, and what about this, and what about this, and what about this, and what's the five-year strategic plan for this to happen, and what are all the contingencies that we're going to put into place to make this birth happen, and all of these things, there's this instant submission may your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. You know, again, we talk about this every Christmas, but here we have this young girl, this young Jewish girl, who lives in an incredibly religious, uh, legalistic society, where being pregnant outside of marriage in that culture like it is still in some places in the world today. It's a death sentence for women. It's not a, hey, you have all this sexual freedom, you can do whatever you want, have a baby, not a baby, test tube baby, multiple partner baby, just say whatever works for you. It's not Canada. It's very different. Very religious. Very legalistic. Very punitive when you disobey. And yet, this servant girl, knowing the environment she lives in, knows God. She knows the God of peace. And so we see living out in her the peace of God. May your words be fulfilled. May your words be fulfilled. And I don't know about you, but those, that, that little phrase there resonates with me. <laughs> because is that always the way I answer God? <laughs> I mean, I like to think I'm someone who is serving and following the God of peace. <laughs> but yet, if I'm really honest, there are times when I know God wants me to do something and I say, I'll pass. No thanks. I know I should invite my neighbor to Christmas Eve service, but I'll pass. I know I should call that family member who's struggling and dealing with a whole bunch of issues, but then I'm going to be on the phone for two hours. I'll pass. See, in all of us is this tendency in this nature, in this human nature, to think about us. And we put our plans in place, we put our needs in place, our desires in place, hoping that will bring peace. But what I've come to learn in my own life is when I actually ignore those promptings of God, it's when I have less peace, when I actually do what God tells me to do, suddenly there's peace. When I do what God, God wants me to do this and I do that, or God says, don't do that, and I do that, no peace. The peace of God is available when we live for the God of peace. See, peace the, the peace that Jesus brings... Is so crucial when it comes to our faith. Like Jesus talked about this himself in John chapter 14. He says in verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, He talks about this peace that He wants to give His followers. He says, I am leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart. When you and I are struggling with a lack of peace, where does it hit us? In our heart, or if you're like me, in your head. How many of you, you just seem to create every negative scenario humanly possible on every single decision you can make. We are our own worst enemies in our heads sometimes. And Jesus says, I'm leaving you a gift. The gift from the God of peace. Peace of mind, peace of heart. And then he continues. He says, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. So many things in our culture tell us this is what will bring you peace. (laughs) So many things in the Christmas season tell us this is what will bring you peace. I was on my cell phone the other day, and, um, you know, if you're, depending on your email client that you have, it automatically sorts and categorizes your email for you. And because last week was all the big Black Friday sales, I'm on my phone, and I flip over to this tab, and I'm no word of a lie, I had 374 Emails in one day on stuff to buy. (laughs) 374. I counted them. (laughs) Stuff to buy on one day with hopefully one of those things. Every single market there is hoping that I'm going to buy into that one of those things is going to be something I need to bring me peace this time of year. And not all of it was just secular stuff. A lot of it was Christian stuff. Well, you just need this new... If you just buy my version of the Bible, if you just take this course, if you just sign up for this, if you just do this, if you just do that, if you just do this, if you just do this, oh my goodness, which one, what should I do? There's so many options available. And we need to just simplify life. And to hear from God and understand that peace is available. And it's not going to come the way the world gives it. According to Jesus himself, this peace of God is available. Because Jesus came to bring peace between humanity and God. When 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 Paul talks about the God of peace... That God is going to usher in peace. The very first thing that God has to deal with is the fact that humanity and God are far apart. The Bible teaches us that there's um, something that's separated us. And it's called sin. Sin. And what that sin did is it put God over here and humanity over there. And because God is so loving and so perfect and so majestic and so many bigger words than I can think of to describe him, because he is all of these things, our sin makes us an enemy of God. I was talking with someone online just a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, kind of someone from a new age background, uh, talking about how each and every one of us is God. And if only we would just work at it harder, we would all become God and humanity would be saved and the entire world would be better. That the whole world would be, every single problem of humanity would be solved because it's already in us to become God. And so then I asked this person a very simple question. So, why haven't we done it yet? If humanity is thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and, thousands and millions of years old, if we have evolved over billions and billions of years, why haven't we fixed it yet? We have the technology. We're smart enough. We're educated enough. We have the ways to communicate messages all over the world now, every corner of the world. Why are we not doing it? And this person literally said, we just need a leader to show the way. (laughs) Thank you for the opening. I know him. (laughs) I'm celebrating him right now. He's God. (laughs) See, you and I are not God. We have the image of God. But you and I, because of our sin, we are broken. We will never bring peace to the world. It's not possible. Our sin will always mess it up. Our pride, our arrogance, our greed will always get in the way. We can work and make it better as image bearers of God, but it will never be complete because of sin. That is that That's that how big that separation is. And so God wants to first and foremost deal with the fact that there isn't peace between humanity and himself. His creation that he loves so much. He wants that relationship restored. And that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died on the cross. So that his sin, uh, sorry, our sin is put on him. Because Jesus was without sin. And the payment of sin must be death. That's what we do to our enemies. We put the enemy to death. But because God is love. And mercy and peace. He pays for it himself. So God brings humanity peace. The peace of God is given to us by the God of peace. You and I can have complete, total peace with God, not by anything that we do, but because we live for the God of peace. So I just want to flip back to this passage here in Philippians and how do we make this more and more real in our lives, especially over the Christmas season when it can get really, really busy and very, very stressful. What do we see from this passage here in Philippians chapter four? Well, the first thing that we see is we need to accept the God of peace, it starts there for every single human being on the planet. It starts with accepting the God of peace. We can see this here. in I love this verse here in, in chapter 4, uh, verse 5. At the very end of that verse, it says, The Lord is near. Again, when I was chatting with this person on, online, and I said, I know him. <laughs> I know who this leader is who's going to usher in this peace. <laughs> um, he's not far away. <laughs> He's near. He's so near. He left heaven. He came to earth, born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life. He called men and women to follow him. He taught them about the kingdom of God. He taught them about how God is going to usher in his eternal kingdom. And he ushered a simple call to accept the peace that he offers by following him. That's all we do is we accept that. Every single human being receives the offer to follow me, to follow Jesus. And we can accept that real simply by just saying, God, I accept. (laughs) I choose to follow you. You can do that right now today. Whether you're online, whether you're here in the room, you could just pray real simply, Jesus, I'm choosing to follow you, the God of peace, because you died for my sin to restore that relationship with God. If you do that today online, a pop-up shows up, please click that, fill that out. A little form shows up. It's just your name and your email. I'd love to connect with you. If you do that here in person, please tell me after the service. I'd love to connect with you and pray with you as well. So that's the first thing. We need to accept this. The second thing that Paul instructs us to do is to pray. (laughs) Is to pray, is to pray, is to pray. (laughs) There is a spiritual battle. Raging all around us. And we need to pray for one another. We need to pray for the things that we're struggling with. Pray for the things that we're dealing with. Pray for our families. Pray for our colleagues at work. Pray for our friends at school. Pray for your church. Pray for your church leaders. We need prayer to be happening in our life groups. In our different areas of ministry. Because we actually believe what Paul tells us here. When he says, um, "Pray about um, some things. Pray about you know, eh, just the big, huge, world-changing things." Doesn't say this. He says, "Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in every situation." And what this has done for me personally in my own life is, as I'm not by my nature, you probably know this because I'm just very busybody type of guy. I'm not one of these quiet, reflective, oh, I'm gonna spend three hours just listening to soaking music and still before the Lord. That's like, ah, uh, no! <laughs> I'm kind of like an action, busybody, gotta keep busy kind of guy. But for me, what I've been doing more is I actually have an app on my phone now. It's called Echo. It's a prayer app. And whenever people say, hey, pastor, could you pray for me? I put it into this app. And then I set it up for about six to eight times a day. It just, it just vibrates. And if I'm available, I look at it. Okay, I'm praying for Bob. God, you know what Bob's going through right now? Could you just meet Bob and his family? And then a few hours later, it just beeps again, it beeps again, it beeps again. And what this is doing, it's actually forcing me into a spiritual habit of praying regularly about everything. Because in our nature, we don't do it by default. And this is what Paul is asking us to do. Now, does God answer every prayer? Nope. But you know what he does every single time? (laughs) Is he draws me closer to him. Every single time I'm meeting with my father who loves me, even if it's just quickly in between meetings, even if it's just quickly while I'm dealing with email, whatever it is, it's a moment to just spend with God, my father, and work on that relationship so that he can bring me his peace in whatever I'm dealing with in that moment. So we accept, we pray. Second thing, oh, sorry, third thing is we think. We have to watch what we're thinking about. Here in verse 8, where it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There's so much garbage in the world that we can be focused on. So much of it. And we need to, like, find the things that are good. And think about those things. I was doing a teaching recently on developing an attitude of gratitude. And I guarantee if you make just a little bit of effort, no matter how difficult life is right now, with a little bit of effort, you can find something positive. And no matter what trial, challenge you're going through. And those moments are so crucial to find. Because our life is not as bad as we think it is. It could be hard. It could be challenging, but there's peace available when we look towards it and we look to find it. So we have to think about this. And then finally, we need to act. We need to act. I love how Paul finishes finishes, finishes off this section where he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice. This, uh, for the longest time, was um, my pastoral leadership life verse. Because <laughs> I could preach sermons, I could lead the church, I could do all of these things. And if it doesn't change how you live, I'd rather go work at Home Depot. Like, no, seriously, like Home Depot, I love power tools. I love power tools. I love it. I'm dangerous with power tools because I I I don't know what I'm doing. Thank God for YouTube. Okay. And I buy the tool and I watch the YouTube video and I destroy my home. It's, I love it. It's so much fun. And if I could get in a Home Depot employee discount on these tools, oh, that'd be fun. Right. But my heart is to lead a church where whatever you've learned, whatever you've received, whatever you've heard from me, whatever you've learned from me, whatever you've seen, do it, please. <laughs> That's what excites me. That's what I think excites you when you see the people and you're living out your faith and you're learning and you're growing and you see that impacting the people around you. That spurs people on. And man, that just warms our heart. And it brings us a sense of peace. Look at this. This God of peace is still working. (laughs) He's changing lives everywhere that we go. So we accept, we pray, we think, and we act because the peace of God is available when you and I live for the God of peace. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you and thank you. For your amazing peace, which is available. Your peace that we don't fully comprehend, and probably on this side of heaven, we'll never truly fully experience it to its full. Like Paul said earlier, we live in the tension of the kingdom of God is fully available, but not yet. That Jesus has come to point humanity to the peace that is available, that our sin can be completely, totally forgiven. And we can never, ever worry again about what God thinks of us, ever, because we know God loves us. We never have to worry about that relationship because of what Jesus has done, and that brings us peace But we long for the day when peace will come, when Jesus will come again and set up his eternal kingdom. And there will be no more war, no more strife, no more sin, no more death. But until that day comes, God of peace, bring your peace to your church. Bring your peace to your children so that we could experience that peace of mind that peace of heart more in our lives. And so as we continue to worship, Holy Spirit, speak into our hearts and bring your peace to us today, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen.